Jungle Cruise Base, this is Branco Beauty. Lotus Tours offers two new destinations, Boston and French Lick, Indiana. Excuse me, can anyone hear me? This is Mary Wimple. Jungle Cruise Base, this is Dapper Dan reporting from the Mekong River. Due to a recent outpouring of rain in our area, the Nile River is extremely wet today. Please drive slowly. Passengers requesting extended tours should be referred directly to the booking office where they will receive immediate medical treatment. Oh, and watch out for those crocs as you pass Trader Sam's. Or they've been biting hard. This is the Colonial Portmaster. There have been reports of some disturbances in your area. Please travel with caution. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 631. And together each week, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more as we go from the parks to the screens and everything in between on the podcast, live video, community, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com and be part of the community and conversation in our Facebook group at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. And I want to welcome you aboard the world-famous Jungle Cruise with our very special former skipper, Kevin Lively. Kevin shares his personal journey from fan to cast member and stories from the rivers in Disneyland and in Tokyo. We'll also talk about his time at Walt Disney Imagineering as show writer and story editor and maintaining the legacy of classic attractions that include Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion. We're also going to discuss the changes in the Jungle Cruise, including a reveal of a new show scene, the SEA, Society of Explorers and Adventurers, and much more. It's an outstanding discussion until Kevin left me out standing on the dock alone. And if you don't believe me, you're in... Anyway, moving on. I'll also have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win an all-new Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, including a very special location for this week's WW Radio live broadcast and your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. In 60 years, the Jungle Cruise has delighted and really surprised millions of guests from around the world in Disney theme parks that now exist around the globe. But more than our dangerous journeys through jungles and the Mekong, Congo, Nile, and Amazon rivers, it has been and always will be our skippers that make our adventures memorable and often hysterical. And it really is the people that make the dreams a reality, not just on our brief jungle adventures, but when those skippers 
move on from being our guides, social directors, dance instructors, and occasional alligator wrestlers. And such is the case for my guest this week. He is Kevin Lively, and he earned his ears piloting steam-powered riverboats, but now helps to create even more magic in his role at Walt Disney Imagineering. I want to welcome my friend. I think I can call you my friend at this point, Kevin Lively, to the show. We've never met, but uh, we've sort of known each other for years. So welcome. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on. That was a wonderful, nice intro. Uh, that will be my new resume header. That was fantastic. That's going to <laughs> go right there next to objectives. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you being here. Uh, like I said, we've we've communicated a lot online, and I love the stuff that you that you talk about there. I, I but I want to I want to go back, um, way back to the beginning, and I want I'd love for you to tell me the tales of young wide-eyed Kevin growing up and where and and when your love of Disney started and how that turned into a role with the company that I'm going to go out on a limb, assume here that you, uh, that you knew and loved well. Yeah. I, I grew up in Southern California uh, in, in the Valley. I was born in uh, Granada Hills, uh, later moved to Santa Creta, which is like home, the magic mountain uh, for any theme park fans out there, literally grew up around the corner from magic mountain, had a season pass for many years. Um, but we also, would do frequent trips to Disneyland. Uh, my, my dad also, my parents both grew up in Southern California. My dad grew up a big Disney fan. Um, I, I think he had aspirations to, uh, to be an Imagineer one day. Uh, he, he tells a story that when he was a kid, uh, he sent a drawing of what he thought an Autopia car could look like, and he sent it to the studios, and they sent him back like a whole press kit and stuff, which you know, to a, to a little kid is, is pretty awesome. Um, so I grew up... Uh, understanding and, and respecting, you know, Walt and, and the stories and the Imagineers and Disneyland and, and really enjoying it. Uh, went there quite often. Uh, some of the coolest memories, uh, he was, he worked for GTE, General Telephone, and they would do employee nights. So going to Disneyland, like in the middle of the night with like minimal crowds, like those were the coolest memories, being able to hit up Disneyland then. Um, then my first trip to Disney World when I was five or so, did a cross country trip with my aunt, uncle, and my cousin. Um, and I think we stayed at Disney Village. I think I found like the the hotel card recently for uh, like you know showed it the gate or whatever with my little five year old autograph on there. Uh, you know, th but that was a really cool trip. And uh, I returned to Disney World a few times uh, later. I went back when I was like thirteen or so. Uh, did other trips, but also you know going to Disneyland a lot. Uh, when my parents split, my mom and I, uh, we moved, uh, my little brother moved up to Bakersfield, which is about 100 miles north of Santa Cruz. So uh, without traffic, about 90 minutes from Disneyland, uh, Bakersfield is a is a big Disney town. There's a lot of Disney fans up here, uh, a lot of annual pass holders. Uh, they just it's just it's just a thing here for for one reason or another. Um, so as soon as I graduated and I got graduated high school and got my own job. I picked up an annual pass again and I started going more and more often there. Um, and so when it came time to, uh, when I finished community college, like, well, I need to figure out where I want to go next. I, I put in two applications, one uh, for Cal State Northridge, one for Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Cal State Fullerton, also known as Cal State Disneyland because it's literally down the street. I'm like, well, I can go to school there. I can uh, I can work at the parks and, and try to work my way up uh, through the through Disney. And uh, luckily, my, my plan has worked so far, and it's still going strong. But yeah, just growing up, Disneyland's my home park, always will be. 
something something magical about just going down there. I can't wait to get back. So before you get your your first role at Disneyland, do you have in your young, wide-eyed mind like I want to go work at Disney because I want to do X? And what yeah. was that? What was that dream? And then what was the reality of what your first role was? Yeah. So so trying to figure out what you know what I want to do with my life. Um, it was when I was doing those trips with my annual pass uh, post high school, when I was going over and over again, like, you know, I, I Imagineering is, is something I always, I always heard about. Um, I, you know, as I got the coffee table book, uh, you know, the big blue one with Sorcerer and Mickey on it and, and started reading more and more and more. And it was on a trip back with some friends that I'm like, Oh, you know, let's, let's swing by Glendale. Uh, Cause it's right off the five freeway on the way back home. Like, let me see if I can find like where the buildings are, which let me tell you at night, it's hard to find the WDI buildings, uh, the, the imaginary campus, the identifiers, like for the businesses are uh, for the address numbers are like name tags with numbers on them and uh, weren't showing up like on MapQuest because that's how long ago it was. Uh, so we took like 30 minutes and we finally found it. And I took a picture in front of the doors and there, there's been like two times in my life where I'm like, like, yeah, this is going to happen. The first one was the first time I saw my wife. Like the first time I saw her, I was like, yeah, I'm going to marry her. It was just like a, a weird, like, just like, yep. Like, yep, I'm walking down the stairs. That's the woman I'm going to marry. Now I'm walking over here. It was just like a thought. And when I went to, when I took that picture in front of uh, Imagineering, I'm like, yeah, I, I can be here. This is, this is obtainable. I can do this. And uh, that's when I really put my focus on trying to do Cal State Fullerton and, and doing the Disneyland path. So Imagineering was leading up to my, my college career, my, my end game, my goal. Uh, when I hired into Disneyland, though, uh, they put me in, uh, I was technically hired into Critter Country Attractions, and they put me on Splash, and I trained there for two and a half days. And I don't know what it is. Like my trainer kind of like saw me, and she's like, so like this isn't really your, your cup of tea, is it? I'm like, like, I like talking to people. Like, I'm going to school for communication, like, is there, is there any other role I could do where I can like talk to people more often? And they're like, yeah, you know, let, let's see what we can do. And an opening came up for uh, uh, the D Disneyland Opera House presents Disneyland, the first 50 magical years starring Steve Martin and Donald Duck, uh, which was uh, playing at the Main Street Opera House. And that became my home attraction. And so, uh, which was really cool. Uh, that's where I really started diving into the history of the parks the uh, history of Imagineering, how things developed, the process, and actually became a really big step in my Disney career. Um, but it was when the Opera House went down that they, uh, I, I got a call from the uh, Rachel, who was in charge of uh, training schedules and stuff. She's like, hey, uh, Opera House is going down for new carpets. Uh, I need to find you a new attraction. And I'll never forget where I was. I was walking in California Adventure uh, right in front of where uh, engineer souvenirs used to be in the old pre Buena Vista street area. And I was on my cell phone uh, as, as a guest. And she's like, she's like, where do you want me to put you? And I said, I'd get my left arm to work jungle cruise. She's like, you got it. And so uh, right after that, I got trained over a jungle cruise, which, you know, coming from a kid uh, who did theater, who did improv, um, like to talk, it was, it was the perfect fit. So that's, and that's how I ended up over at Jungle. Yeah, and for a lot of people, that's sort of the dream role, right? And, and like you said, you started, you know, doing directing, and and I know you 
you taught kids for a while too, right? Didn't you teach kids at yeah. local school? Yeah, I worked a lot with uh, with a local community theater, uh, directing uh, children's theater. And then uh, for the semester leading up to me leaving for college, I, I taught after school drama at, a, at an elementary school here. Um, but with my work with the community theater, uh, the things that kind of set my shows apart from everybody else, it was kind of the philosophy I, I brought to it. It's actually kind of a philosophy I, I try to carry over to my work I'm doing now, which is all about collaboration. I had these kids and they just needed somebody to listen to them. Amazing, funny ideas. Um, and I don't know if you've ever read like a, a children's theater script, but for the most part, they're not very good. Um, and so I allowed them to have a little fun with it. Uh, the first production we did was The Hobbit. And if you can imagine a Monty Python, Mel Brooks, more of an approach to The Hobbit, <laughs> that's where we landed. Uh, we had a, a female Gandalf and she carried in. We did a whole Mary Poppins carpet gag where she was pulling stuff out of this carpet bag. And then, you know, the key to the lair was attached to a hubcap. Like that's the style of humor. And I would encourage the kids. I'm like, if you guys have an idea, let me know. Uh, if it works, we'll put it in. If it doesn't work, I'll explain why it's not working and maybe we can adjust it. Um, and, and so the kids started, uh, started to work more and more with me. And so uh, we did The Hobbit. We did uh, Sideways Stories from Wayside School, which is based on a really popular uh, kids book, which again, just weird, zany, off the wall humor. Um, and then the last uh, shows we did with them was uh, the Pied Piper and Emperor's New Clothes, closed double feature. And, you know, always trying to push those kids to do something else, uh, to give them permission to have fun. Uh, we would play tricks on the kids, have a good time. The first time I actually worked with them, I played Mr. Smee in Peter Pan <laughs> and uh, me in a, uh, in a, in a midriff and uh cut off shorts you know, down to the knees with uh with like Birkenstocks and we had a lot of fun with them but that was like my first introduction to working with these kids and I saw the potential uh the creative potential in all of them and so uh, a lot of the kids have gone on to do really cool things uh two of my drawers from the hobbit are now married with their own kids that makes me feel really old um but it, yeah it's I'm super proud of my work I was able to do with them well I love the fact that you worked with kids and probably have a much greater impact on them than you might even realize. And, and I'll do the Google image searches for Kevin Lively, Mr. Smee later when we're done. I'm sure I can find them. <laughs> finding, finding pictures of my production of Greece, however, from hey sixth now. grade. So we have that in common. <laughs> we will talk offline about our, <laughs> our, our histories with Greece, but the work that you did and all the training and the experience that you did paid dividends, not just for those kids, but for you as well, because not only do you get the role as a skipper in Jungle Cruise, which I believe is still one of the most coveted roles to have, but yeah. you eventually become a point of contact there. And you were the person that, that Disney comes to, to give interviews and do tours and teach other not just skippers, but but other aspects of the company is almost being sort of uh, an ambassador within Disney um, for other Jungle Cruise skippers. Yeah, it was like a weird uh, ceremonial title, unofficial title. Uh, it all stemmed from uh, Tokyo Disneyland was doing their 25th anniversary. Um, and to celebrate the cast, they were granting 25 cast wishes. Uh, and one of the skippers in Tokyo wanted to have a gathering of skippers from around the world. And so they held auditions uh, for skippers uh, in Hong Kong, Anaheim, and Orlando. 
and they all had their different processes. Um, I was selected as one of the skippers from Anaheim to represent Walt's original Jungle Cruise over in Tokyo. And so I got to spend a week there working with the crew, taking out trips for uh, their cast members. We did a lot of like Q&A, classroom type setting things. Uh, it, was, it was the experience of a lifetime. Um, but when I got back from that, uh, anytime they needed to do like, they wanted to interview a skipper for an article about working at Disneyland or something, they would, they would often come to me, which was cool. Uh, the first time they were working on the Jungle Cruise film, uh, uh, myself and uh, Jerry, who was the core lead at the time, a longtime skipper, we took out the screenwriter of that Tom Hanks, Tim Allen version, and we showed him around Jungle Cruise. Uh, we hosted the uh, Disneyland Paris ambassadors over at Jungle Cruise. Uh, yeah, so I got to do a lot of really neat things over at Jungle. Well, and I think that they're, <clears throat> excuse me, Sorry. So I have to. Puberty's hitting right now. It's all right. The growth spurt's coming in. I hope so. God, I've been waiting for it all my whole life. So I have to imagine that there there has to be this huge sort of an almost incumbent responsibility because you are kind of the skipper to represent all skippers, uh, you know, I, that was there a little bit of pressure on you It feeling, you know, that you are representing such a beloved group of cast members. Uh, I talk about like during Tokyo or, or now or during Tokyo. I, and I think when, yeah. as we get to start talking about now too. Yeah. The, the Tokyo process, it, it was the audition process. So there was three rounds. The first round was kind of gauging overall interest and people kind of, you know, put their name into the hat. Um, the second round was that we had to take out a, a, a cruise of our, of some local, of some of the Disneyland managers. And then from there, they picked the finalists. And then our, for our final uh, judging, it was an early morning, a pre-opening thing. We had a panel of judges. Uh, we had Matt Gray, who was one of my bosses at the time, Kevin Rafferty, uh, John and Nancy Lasseter, uh, Marty Scalar and Tony Baxter as our judges. No pressure uh, whatsoever. No right? pressure. <laughs> uh, I was the first one. Uh, first one off, off the dock with everybody. Uh, it was Marty's birthday. I'll never forget that. And so we, we take out the boat and everything goes great. Everyone's having a great time. Um, fun side story with Marty is it, it was raining that day and it was starting to rain more as my boat was coming back. So <clears throat> in preparing for the next trip, they're like, Oh, let's pull the canopies back because in Anaheim, the, the boat canopies can flop up because we have really nice sunny days. Um, Sorry, Florida. Uh, and so when they did that, all the rainwater just dumped on Marty Scalar. <laughs> and he was such a trooper. He just laughed about it. They, everyone's having such a great time. Uh, when they selected me, they select, also selected Skipper Mickey, uh, who has an uncanny resemblance to Big Al from the Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He was a fantastic, fantastic skipper. Over from Florida, we had Skipper Beth and Skipper Alex. Uh, Skipper Alex is now a D23, doing great things over there. And then from Hong Kong, we had Skipper Mo. Uh, she was amazing, and, and Skipper Andrew, both fantastic skippers. So it was, it was really neat having those representatives come through with me. Um, everyone was really supportive. Uh, everyone, yeah, I, I like to think, was like, yeah, you know, it, Kevin makes sense. Uh, I, I don't like to put myself ahead of other skippers. There's amazing skippers out there. Every generation of skippers has, has the, their all-stars. 
I, I'm just I'm just one of the names, one of the, the few lucky that have kind of floated up. Um, but yeah, even to this day, like just kind of like I, I take pride uh, in being the Jungle Cruise skipper voice in the room, and so being able to be involved with our latest effort, um, I, I'm I'm so <laughs> so happy that I get I, I have I get to represent our crews uh, at the table because I know how important the Jungle Cruise is. Uh, it's a thing that that crosses generations. It crosses state lines. It's just a love. A, a, a common love that has, goes back over 60 years and there's a lot is really important to a lot of people and i recognize that and i respect that and i always try to do best by our by our skippers and, and honestly i think it's less about the attraction per se than it really is about the skipper um, so what is it what is it that makes you know a, a skipper exceptional because you're all sort of given the narration and the script to mm-hmm. follow however closely or loosely, whatever the guidelines might be. But what in your mind makes an exceptional skipper? So the, the, the nice thing Jungle Cruise has over say like Star Tour, Star Tours for years had Captain Rex, an amazing pilot. One of my favorite characters we have ever done, but it was the same show every single time. It was always his first flight. The nice part about Jungle Cruise is that live narration aspect, the different personalities that the skippers are able to bring to their roles. Uh, they can tell they can tell the same joke, but tell it different ways. There are certain jokes that I could never pull off, but Skipper Mitchell could nail every single time just because that's how his personality spoke. You know, uh, I'm going to throw out a whole bunch of Jungle Cruise names that I know. Just pretend you know them. Uh, Skipper Kippy, the driest spiel on the river. I call him the skipper skipper. Nobody loves that ride more than that guy. Um, but just to the core loves, loves, loves jungle cruise, but his spiels dry as a bone loved it. Uh, captain Josh, uh, was doing amazing things. He had the tightest spiel you would ever, you could ever hear. He would just rattle off. He was like, he was a 1940s adventurer and you were darn lucky to be on his boat. He would let you know you were darn lucky to be on his boat. Uh, Skipper Gill, she was amazing. She just had this super quirky personality that no one else could emulate. And that's the cool part is it's like playing roulette. You never know what what kind of boat you're going to get yourself into. And that's the rewritability factor of the Jungle Cruise. And I think that's the secret sauce. Um, And and that's that's why, you know, when I was a kid, I I would always go on it twice. I'd go once in the morning, once at night, because those are that's the other variable, right? Is because it's an outdoor show, you know, when the sun goes down, it looks completely different you're never going to get the same trip on the jungle cruise, which is awesome. Which like you said, is the rewritability factor and the exciting part. And look, I, I will tell you as, as somebody who loves the tra- that attraction, there has been many times I will get off the boat and I will look to a cast member and, and ask to speak to a lead. And they give me that look like, Oh no, what are you going to complain <laughs> about now? Because oftentimes you only hear when somebody complains and I like yeah. to go up and say, skipper so-and-so was exceptional. I've been on this attraction 500 times and although you sort of know what's coming it was such a different and a memorable experience and and i recommend to anybody listening when that happens for you for you to do the same thing because i have to imagine it's yeah. good to hear the positives no it's totally it's it's great to to do that it, it refills your your pixie dust meter uh, as you go through your day um it used to be terrifying though, because one of the things I used to do to keep it fresh for me is I'd go through the spiel and find jokes that nobody else was using, like just like the really weird, obscure ones. Like, like oh no, you know, uh, that was close. Well, not my shot. My shot was way up there. I guess you can call that a hippo shot I miss. 
Like nobody else was using that joke. So I, I would find those like super corny ones. And then people would get off my boat and go, those were great. Never heard those before. And the, my bosses would look over. I'm like, I swear they're in the spiel. There's just nobody else was using them. I'll show you where they are. Because, um, yeah, we, we try to keep uh, we try to keep them in the spirit of the show as much as possible. Stay on spiel. But we also recognize that this is a this is a human thing, right? This there's human interactions. You know, have fun with your crew. Just keep it keep it in the show. Keep it time period appropriate, family friendly. Um, but that that's another nice thing when when doing cruises. You know, some some skippers have the same spiel every time they go around. Uh, for my own sanity, I would try to make it different each time. And anytime I had like a little kid in the front of my boat, that was comedy gold. You can always yeah. have fun with little kids. I love it. And listen, I could talk to you all day about uh, the the jungle. All right, one one more quick question because sure. I love. I have to imagine that in the in the time that you spent there, you have either personal memorable moment moments, um, a, a celebrity interaction, something that an emotional moment, something that that sticks with you after going around and and sort of doing that trip over and over again. I have to imagine there's a few of those mm, yeah. seminal moments that stick. I'll tell you my, my first and my last VIP cruise stories. So my, my first VIP cruise is about a week after I got signed off and they, uh, they, they, they load this group in, in, in what we call no man's land. It's in between load and unload and they're sitting down. And then I'm like, didn't think anything, anything of it. Um, we pull up the load. Uh, the tour guide says, yeah, load them up. So we're, we're mixing in other guests with the VIP. And I was like, Oh, that guy, uh, he was wearing a Yankees cap. Didn't think anything of it. We leave the dock. And I'm like, huh, that guy wearing a Yankees cap looks like Billy Crystal. <laughs> and then in my head, I'm like, I just read Billy Crystal throughout the first pitch at a Yankees game the other day. Then it was, oh, my gosh, Billy Crystal's in my boat. <laughs> and <laughs> having to spiel for, you know, a week week out of training, spieling for a, a comedy Disney legend now was, was pretty crazy. Um, but my last VIP trip was my last day at the Jungle Cruise. Uh, I knew I was I was headed to to work over Imagineering, um, and just so happened that day, uh, Tony Baxter was in the park with some of the cast of um, Saving Mr. Banks. So we had uh, B.J. Novak and Jason Schwartzman, who played the um, the Sherman Brothers, and a couple others. And I was working on the dock that day, just kind of taking trips. They're kind of just letting me letting me have fun on my last day, which is always a treat. Um, but Tony comes up, he's like, "Hey, you taking boats out?" I'm like, "For you, I am." And so we loaded them up and the best, uh, my last VIP trip comes around and, and I told Tony, I'm like, yeah, I'll be joining you guys in Glendale uh, next week. And then like the whole like cast congratulated me. It was a really surreal moment. But yeah, that was, uh, that was my last VIP trip. Nice. It's a nice way to, to punctuate um, what was probably a, a great time and number of years in the parks, but tell me how that transition happens from the parks to Imagineering, because I, I'm sure you know, Kevin, for a lot of people, that's the dream, right? I want to yeah. start in the park and then work my way up. So it was, um, as I mentioned, you know, the, the Jungle Cruise competition uh, actually really, really helped me make a name for myself and, and get noticed on that front. But one of the other things we did was um, we had the Indiana Jones Summer of Hidden Mysteries and Imagineering provided a bunch of material for the skippers to use. Um, but never went to the crew first. And so we're like, oh, well, how about, so I kind of like talked with the rest of the skippers. We put together some material and we sent it off um, to our writer in Anaheim in, in Glendale. Um, we're like, hey, we have these other jokes. Is it cool if we can use them? 
Um, unfortunately, the process takes so long for approval that they didn't get approved in time. Um, but when it came time for me to actually, let me back up even a little bit more. Uh, when I was going to Cal State Fullerton, I was taking a ceramics class. And one of the assignments was you had to do a, a, a paper on a sculptor or ceramic artist. So I did mine on Blaine Gibson. I was working at the Opera House. I had was looking at his Metcats all day long anyways. Um, and being a Disneyland cast member, I had access to our to our email and all the company resources like the archives. So I sent out an email to Dave Smith, who was running the archives at the time, introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Kevin Lively. I'm a cast member at Disneyland. I'm writing a paper for Cal State Fullerton about Blaine Gibson. Can you help me out? And he said, sure, come on down. And he pulled out the Blaine Gibson file, which was really cool. It has all these really weird, obscure interviews and learned all these crazy facts. Like he was a champion soap carver when he was a kid. Yeah, he won a competition uh, judged by the guy who carved Mount Rushmore. But you didn't know that. Um, and so it was from there. He said, oh, you should also go talk uh, to Chris Gooseman. She's a writer at Imagineering. Uh, she might be able to help you out, too. And awesome. So he kind of introduced me to Chris and. Uh, Chris helped me out with my paper and she said, when it's done, let me take a look at it. And I want to see. And so when I was done with the paper, I sent it to her. She's like, she's all, this is really good. Let me see what I can do for you. And she helped me uh, apply for an internship. I applied. I came in second. I <laughs> uh, did not get the internship there. So I stayed at the jungle. Uh, there came a time where they wanted to borrow me from the parks and they worked out a whole deal with, with HR and you know, leadership between Imagineering and, and the parks. And I, I was going to go work at Imagineering for like two weeks on a temporary assignment. Uh, day before I was supposed to leave for that, I called them like, hey, where am I supposed to go? They're like, oh, project's been canceled. So that was my second like speed bump. Like, it's just like, you're so close, you can taste it. Um, and then when Chris retired, uh, we needed to find out who we contacted about Jungle Cruise submissions. So I had reached out to Kevin Rafferty, who I knew from my internship interview, and I knew from the Tokyo judging. And uh, Rafferty and I um, would actually, we would start sending off these pun-filled emails back and forth. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Kevin Rafferty, uh, he is the guy behind, uh, he and Sharita were behind Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. Uh, but anything with a major pun or comedy in, in, in the last 30 years usually has his handprint on it. Um, but our puns became so much. He's like, okay, you need to stop until I can get you paid for these. And so he became my, my biggest advocate in trying to get my foot into the door uh, for Imagineering. And, and he worked tirelessly and worked miracles uh, to get me in. And I, I started as a consultant for a few years uh, before being brought on part-time before being brought on full-time. So, you know, when people ask, you know, like, what was that journey like? I, I compare it to the scene in Captain America Civil War where Black Panther has his claws dug into the car and the car is like, you know, doing this and Black Panther's, you know, trying to hang on. Like, it was just like that. Just keep your claws in the bumper and, and go for that ride because um, eventually at the end, uh, it, it all worked out. Um, but I'm, I'm forever in uh, Kevin Rafferty's debt and he, he became a, a mentor and like a work dad for me. So uh, I love that guy to death. I love every part of that story, including the metaphor um, for for stick the the, the stick to itiveness of yeah. of what you were doing. So while you're at WDI, um, tell me some of the so you were a story editor when you were hired, and some of the projects you worked on. Uh, no, so it started off as uh, just as a writer. A story editor uh, is just like our, our fancier term for you know higher level of writer. But 
I'm a, I'm a show writer. Uh, that's that was the terminology we use for decades, and that's what most people still know our department as. Um, we we try to do some some uh, some image rework recently, um, <laughs> but yeah, we're show writers, and that's where I came on. My first project uh, was Adventure Trading Company, which was uh, a test to see how immersive we can make the retail experience. Um, and uh, your listeners might remember our, our juju. Mm-hmm. That we have uh, from uh, those, you know, we had a little skull, little piranha. I have my skull right here. Um, we have them hanging at Skipper Canteen right now, and they, they've become like a reoccurring, like MacGuffin, if you will, in, in some of my stories. Um, that's I have where my we little tiki bird here somewhere. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So that was super successful. We first launched at D23 Expo. Uh, the following summer, we went to straight to Adventureland. Uh, we did a month long play test, had a lot of fun learned a lot of amazing things. We saw how fantastic the cast members can be with guest interactions and how creative they can be. And if you just give them a little permission to play uh, from there, uh, other projects I've worked on over the years, hyperspace mountain. I was a writer for, um, I'm also the voice of blue too. So if you, <laughs> if you're at Disneyland, you write hyperspace mountain, you, you hear my wonderful voice. Uh, those are all except for the, with the exception of red leader, those are all Imagineer voices like Josh Shipley uh, who you, yeah. I know you've had on your show. He's, he was one of the, the minds that came up with that idea actually. Um, but we brought him in to be one of the pilots. Uh, I, I, have stepped in for Kevin Rafferty on a couple projects, especially when he was busy with Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. Uh, so I helped out with cars land Christmas cars land Halloween with the music. So writing songs for Mater and Luigi, which are really cool, especially when you get to work with Tony Shalhoub and later the cable guy in the recording studio, two super, super nice guys. I love the um, uh, I love the graveyard jamboree. Oh, I had so much fun with 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 those songs. Um, uh, my my first Jungle Cruisey project uh, was Jingle Cruise. Uh, that actually stemmed from uh, the emails Rafferty and I were sending. We were sending a bunch of Jungle Christmas puns back and forth, and and so when the the head of Trish Sarone, uh, who's a former Imagineer, she was in charge of the Blue Sky Studio at the time. She asked if we had any ideas. I said, well. Kevin Rafferty and I were tossing around uh, Jungle Cruise Christmas ideas. Can we take a stab at, at doing that? And so uh, I developed the pitch and, and sold it all the way up the chain of command to do Jingle Cruise year one, uh, working uh, hand in hand with another former skipper, uh, Skipper Wyatt, uh, who is now the producer over at the Guardians of the Galaxy Galactic Rewind, a Cosmic Rewind attraction. Um, so yeah, any, anytime we brought in worked on jungle cruise thing i try to bring in skippers as much as possible you know just because we get it like that this is our thing this is our home away from home uh we we, we truly love it uh so jingle cruise uh still running strong over at magic kingdom uh from there we i also worked on the jungle skipper canteen at magic kingdom and that project was beyond fun uh, the nicest thing anybody ever said about it they said it was a love letter to jungle cruise and like, like, thank you. Like, that's exactly what I was going for. Uh, also, a way to tie in the Society of Explorers Adventures, flush out that world a little bit more. Uh, we brought in Alberta Falls, uh, who was, you know, a super cool, strong, uh, independent woman of a character to bring into Jungle Cruise, uh, which I wrote in because I have two daughters. And if I want to push them to Jungle Cruise when they get older, I wanted to give them a strong uh, role model to look, look to. Um, but yeah, Skipper Canteen, uh, still one of my favorite places to go, uh, to grab a bite to eat. The, the crew over there is fantastic. 
It's an uh, attraction. They, Skipper Canteen, I, yeah. I think, is an attraction as much as it is an amazing restaurant. Yeah, I can't say enough things about enough nice things about the crew over there. They do a yeah. fantastic job. And it's you could and I have um, spend and an inordinate amount of time hunting for the incredible amount of Easter <laughs> eggs that are not just adorning the walls, but the rafters. And, you know, I have and I'll apologize to all the cast members as I stood in the way of the secret bookshelf, yeah. just watching and looking at and photographing every single book because the, again, that love letter, not just to the jungle cruise, but to the skippers and the puns that are on the bind, the, the, the bindings of the books as well. Yeah. The, the, the library, like I'm, I'm shocked with how well fans have been able to um, decipher some of those titles. Like one of the books I, I put in tribute to uh, Matt Gray, who I mentioned earlier, as one of, who was one of my Tokyo judges, one of my former leaders, uh, I put like his his middle name as his first name, and think and, and someone somehow somebody was still able to decode it. Um, but I have I have things up there for the crew. I have things for old throwback attractions. Uh, I have things up there for family members. Uh, there's a book on there called the uh, the unknown history of navies. Uh, that's written by Jack Murphy, who's my grandfather, who I never got the met. Never got the meat. All I know, he was in the Navy. So I put a little nod into there. Um, I have a book in there, uh, tribute to a friend I lost to uh, colon cancer years ago named uh, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Clawwitter, who actually taught me the, the most valuable lesson that kind of like got me to where I am, which is like, it's n- never hurts to ask. Mm-hmm. You know what? It, it never hurts to ask. That's why I reached out to Dave Smith and you know what? He helped me out. And it was that that was the first step to kind of get me where it was. So I always try to keep that in the back of my head. Uh, and then also on the cork board and stuff too, uh, there's things up there for like the junior skipper program. Uh, but every single name on there is actually kids born to jungle crew skippers around the same time my girls were, were born. So yeah, just I'm, it's really like, like we, I love the jungle cruise. I wanted to share it, uh, share my love with everybody who will listen. Um, but yeah, there's there's things in there that I never thought people would crack. They they've done it. Uh, you'll see my name inside the the Skipper Canteen Library. I gave myself the most original titles like the Monkey Book, the Tiger Book, because <laughs> as the writer, I felt I should have the most profound titles. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many fun little nods in there. We have, I think, my favorite little detail in the Skipper Canteen is there's a shelf with a box, probably like twelve by sixteen, and it just has like Jingle Cruise decorations. And the idea is like when it's not Jingle Cruise time, that's where all the decorations go in this little tiny box sitting on a shelf. Uh, but there's trophies in there for the the bubblegum chewing champion. Uh, it's a shout out to an old skipper I used to work with in, in Anaheim, uh, uh, Skipper Alex. Um, there's uh, little nods to the Society of Explorers and Adventures uh, in the whole, the whole SEA room. And there's things on the maps too, like all the little fish are named after uh, different people I know, different people who've had an impact on Jungle Cruise over the years, uh, things like that. So, yeah, it's, there's uh, so much to discover there. Yeah, so I'm going to try and bribe you. If you ever come out to Walt Disney World, I, I will take you out to dinner and, and I'm going to select Skipper Canteen, if that's okay with you. you know, it, it's I, funny. <laughs> Every time I go out there, I'll, I'll have dinner, but like without fail, like the crew always comes and asks me questions and I'm more than happy to help out. Um well, yeah. you're royalty. I mean, you are. You're royalty there. And I have to imagine, you know, look, you're a fan first, like so many cast members and Imagineers. 
And for you, you talk at you know, and I sort of go off on a tangent because I want to come back to Jungle Cruise and but you you talk about not just being part of this place that you love, but the legacy that you get to leave behind and the impact that you've had, not just on the individual cast members, but on the attraction and in this place. And literally your handprints are going to be left there, you know, it's forever. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That blows my mind. It it, it truly like yeah, I mean, I am a fan. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm the I'm the kid who loves baseball that is somehow now playing for the Dodgers alongside, you know, the people he he grew up looking up to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a nerd, man. I'm not going to lie. It's it's super weird, you know, geeking out of work is not an uncommon thing. You know, sitting in a mo- sitting in a meeting with like Joe Rody and it's like, "Yes, I'm sitting in a room with Joe Rody. Play it cool, Kevin. Play it cool. Play it cool." Then it's like and then Joe Rody asked me a question and I'm like, play it cool, Kevin. I have to respond to Joe Rody now. Um, like that's, that's a real thing. Uh, you know, and, and with that in, imposter syndrome comes along, I think with, with anybody uh, in our position um, and it, it, it takes a lot to overcome that, but it's, it is super crazy that my journey has brought me to where I am right now. And I, 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 I take serious pride in it. Um, uh, Kevin Rafferty in his retirement, he, he sent me a lovely card. You know, he said, uh, he, he's like, he's like, I can finally retire now because we have you to look after things. And I'm wow. like, oh, added pressure, Kevin, what are you doing? I can't handle this. No, but it's, 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 it is truly weird. I mean, I, I miss going into, to our offices at 1401, you know, a building that Walt used to walk around my, my buddy, Billy, his office, his cubicle was in the model shop. And if you know that that picture of Walt, uh, Blaine Gibson, and Mark mm-hmm. Davis next to the Pirates, one of the Pirates uh, captives, like where his cubicle was, was like in the corner of that shot. And so just like standing there, it was, it was actually right outside Josh Shipley's office too. Um, but like that's like being able to walk in that space, knowing that, you know, I Kevin meant, Kevin Rafferty was my mentor. Marty Scalar was his mentor. And I'm like, less than six degrees away from Walt. That's insane. I shouldn't be. I'm the weird kid (laughs) from high school who used to like turn his feet backwards and walk like a duck. Like this, this isn't shouldn't, this should not be. But you are, man, you, you literally are, you're living the dream. And with that dream does come, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and there's, (laughs) um, there's almost pressure that comes with it because part of what you do is to help, manage those stories of jungle cruise and yeah and pirates and all these things and and now as we're looking forward and 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 turning the page is almost the the wrong sort of the metaphor but as we look to the next chapter of the jungle cruise story we go back to january of this year when on the disney parks blog that they announced that changes are coming to this beloved attraction, which as I'm sure you know, cause you're on the internet, you know, people get nervous when, yeah. when an attraction changes, but this is one that I think has always been evolving since 1955 from that original concept of having live animals to, you know, jokes that have, you know, what was funny in the fifties isn't necessarily funny in 2021. You know, a lot <laughs> of it has changed while keeping the the core and the essence of that attraction. So tell us a little bit about what 
prompted these changes and what some of the changes are that, and I know that, we, you know, I've watched the video multiple times um, of you on the Disney parks blog. There's a lot I want to unpack to that, by the way, but talk about the yeah. changes that are coming, what prompted them and what we can expect to see. Sure. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, jungle cruise has been changing since I mean, it was in development. Walt wanted those live animals didn't work out. So what we got were the, the, the mechanical animals we, we, we knew back in 55, uh, things developed from there when uh, when uh, he overheard somebody saying, I don't want to go on Jungle Cruise. We already did that. He's like, well, we have to add some new stuff. And then, you know, legend says, you know, Mark Davis went to Walt and said, there's nothing funny in Disneyland. And Walt said, OK, make it funny. So he brought some humor to to Jungle Cruise with the the gorilla camp and the elephants and and things have been changing. Jungle Cruise had a pretty significant update, like in every decade like leading all the way up to 2005, at least from the Disneyland perspective. Um, we've actually, this is like been the longest like update uh, gap that we've had um, with all the changes in the world too. We want to make sure that everyone, I, I want everyone to enjoy jungle cruise as much as me. And if, if there's opportunities for us to make it more inclusive, to, to better reflect everybody around us and not, not poke fun at anybody at the expense of anybody or, or any people like we can do better than that. And I, I personally see it as an opportunity for a refresh. There's not a lot of real estate at, at jungle cruise. So for us to go in there and be able to make a mark, you know, things, things need to change, things need to evolve. And so this was an opportunity to go in there and, and really give, give the jungle cruise like the, you know, that pixie doesn't that refill uh, to go in there, add some new magic uh, to add some more depth to the story, uh, and just just as time changes, things evolve. Guests, the the guest attitude and guest, like what they expect from us, evolves. You know, I I couldn't imagine if we were still running the same Jungle Cruise from 1955. Like that would be insane. <laughs> like if you if you went on the Jungle Cruise and the only joke you heard was, "And there's a giraffe, the only animal that looks down upon the others." Like, could you, like things have to change. And so this was, this is the next step. And I, I really feel confident in that the work we've done, these amazing artists I work with um, that, that we've, that we've really landed on some, on some really special stuff. Uh, chimpanzees, as, as I mentioned, uh, I think in an interview earlier where I, I said, like, those were my favorite animals growing up. Like the fact that we didn't have any in the jungle was pretty crazy. So, you know, five-year-old Kevin's super happy that we're adding chimps to the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> right. um, and until you say, it, you're like, wait, there were, oh, no, there were. Oh, no, there's there gorillas. Chimp chimpanzees on there. Yeah, uh, which is which is weird. Um, and then adding adding a fresh take to the our trap safari. Uh, you know, another thing that's really changed in, in the last few years in, in what guests expect from us is our depth of our storytelling. And I think the two major things that really kick that off where uh, cars land at Disney California adventure where like, it was like for the first time you're like walking into radiator Springs, everything felt authentic. It was real. I was really in that, that film. There's a story where the kids like, is this where they filmed cars? Uh, and then the other thing is what Feige has been doing over at Marvel with the MCU where everything is connected. Everything has a meaning. Everything has, you know, you want to pull out your phone and Google this and, and so that's an opportunity for us. You know, I, we design for different levels, you know, for the family who wants to go on jungle cruise, they can go on jungle cruise when everything's done and they're going to have a wonderful jungle cruise. They're going to love it. 
they're going to see those people on the pole about to get poked by a rhino. That's comedy. That's funny. I'm going to get some laughs there. But for the 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 geek level like me, the people looking for those those deeper stories, I want to pull out my phone and I'm like, oh, I don't know what that guy is up there on the pole. And then when I realize, oh, wait a second, I saw his stuff over at the boathouse. It's fun to then make those connections. And then how does this tie into that? Well, how does this person know this? If you want to dive in and you want to you want to experience those stories, awesome, cool. If that's not your cup of tea, you still get to enjoy a jungle cruise. So well, like that's, I, said, I think that there's there's great opportunity here, right? And because yeah. you and I have to imagine the other members on your team are fans first and respectful of the legacy of the attraction. I, I have to imagine that there is this recipe that allows you to keep and integrate some of that Mark Davis style humor, mix it with new characters, linking a, a storyline. And even like you said, everything being connected, even sort of connecting the scene, the, the scenes a little bit more seamlessly than they were before. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even dived in. We haven't unveiled everything, all the, the nerdy little details. Um, I, I think everyone's going to be, especially the super fans are going to be super, super stoked with some of the things we're unveiling. Uh, but trying to maintain that Mark Davis DNA uh, in the in the types of gags that we're doing is super important. Uh, you know, Mark's not here anymore, so we can't turn to Mark. We can't have him create a gag, but we can look at other things he's done in that spirit. And uh, you know, some of our some of the older Imagineers on on the project used to work with the old, you know, the original generation, so they're more in tune to you know what what they are thinking and and their their style and stuff. Um, but I think it's really going to come through, uh, the Mark Davisness with like our finale scene. I, I think there's a lot of fun humor to be found in there in, in the spirit of, uh, Mark Davis's original jungle gags. And even the, the storyline itself is slightly different than it was before where we were going off on this one day, two week, three week adventure, whatever it was. Now we're sort of on a rescue mission, right? For these explorers that have set off in the jungle and whose boat may or may not have sunk. No, actually we're not, we're not on a rescue mission at all. You know, Skipper Felix, our, our skipper out there, he, as far as our skipper knows, as far as our crew knows, the new guy's just out with a VIP boat. Like, so when we stumble across them in the African belt, that's the first time I go, well, that's not good. So like, we're not even on a search and rescue because I, I think at that point, then, you fall into that that Captain Rex thing I talked about earlier, where it's the same show over and over again. But if we're able to discover this trap, this ill-fated trap safari for the first time, like oh, that's that's the reaction you want to have. Um, so yeah, it's like we're, we're it's it's truly the story of the Jungle Cruise is the story of the guest going out on a Jungle Cruise. There's no rescue mission. There's no search for the lost safari, anything like that. It, it really is. We're we're keeping it we're keeping the core jungle cruise DNA. And you mentioned Alberta falls. Who's like you said, technically not a new character because we were introduced to her over at skipper canteen, but we're starting to learn from what we saw on the parks blog and, and the newspaper uh, that was in there. The, um, Oh gosh, I remember the name of the paper. Oh, um, uh, the Daily News. GNUS. The Daily News, yeah. right? We learn more a little about, Alberta, as well as some other characters as well, including Dr. Leonard Moss, Rosa Soto Dominguez, and Dr. Khan Chinuske, who is not just Japan's preeminent entomologist, 
but a member of the SEA. Yeah. As, as, as smiles widen and eyes, smiles and eyes widen. Yeah. Um, so all those characters, super excited to have them on. Uh, we, we try to keep the spirit of this world of adventure, a world that has a Henry Mystic and Albert Falls, a Henry Hightower, uh, uh, Harrison Hightower. We're, we're trying to keep the spirit of those names alive. So even in there, you know, our botanist, our plant expert, his last name is Moss. Aha. Uh, you know, and then for uh, Rosa Soda Dominguez is actually a tribute to the Jungle Cruise with the Dominguez family uh, who's. You know, Soto Dominguez being Dominguez Grove, their grove is where the Jungle Cruise is now with, you know, the Dominguez Palm still being in front of the Jungle Cruise Boathouse in Anaheim. So trying to tie it into the, the, the Disneyland DNA there. Um, and then we have uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Khan Chanasuki or Chanasuki Khan. Uh, and for that, I actually I turned to Charlie, uh, Charlie Watanabe, who is our Japanese writer. I said, Charlie, here's the scoop. I have this Japanese explorer. He's an entomologist, a bug expert. I need, I need a, a name like a high tower, a mystic for a bug. Can you come up with a name that's a Japanese pun for bugs? And he, he sent back a couple options. And I'm like, Charlie, I'm going to trust you on these because I have <laughs> no idea. Um, but every Japanese speaker who's heard it gets a giggle out of it. And that's exactly what we were going for. Um, so there, there is a play on words even with his name. Uh, but, you know, we with all these new SEA members, we really want to try to uh, kind of expand our roster of explorers and make them a little bit more global. And so having having a member from Japan, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's like a no brainer. That's, that's where all this started over at Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, and so we wanted to kind of pay tribute to that. And so by bringing in um, uh, the entomologist, we're able to explore in, into there and you're going to see some of his bugs in the boathouse. You're going to see some Japanese uh, writing, you'll be able to tell that is his stuff. And look, I, I could talk to you for hours and maybe we just should talk about the, the SEA. Um, I, I know back on show 579, I shared what I thought was at the time, and I'm nervous if you actually listened to <laughs> the, the guide to the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, which has such a... a relatively newly found rich history that spans not just through jungle cruise, but like you said, tower of terror and mystic Manor and big thunder mountain and trader Sam's and all these other places. And now mm -hmm. having it even more pronounced here. And I noticed Kevin, that when you did the video for the Disney parks blog, you had a very sweet, large <laughs> SEA pin attached to your lapel. I might have done that on purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the Society of Explorers and Ventures, super popular right now amongst the fans. Uh, the SEA and the Haunted Mansion, I would say, are two of the, like, the most asked about things that we get from our partners wanting to do something with. Um, and our story team has been working really hard to, to really cement the foundation and, and really beef it up moving forward. Um, but yeah, any questions you have about the SEA, more than happy to try to answer them. I, I'm not... I, I didn't start the SEA. I, I've only I've only created a few characters, but what I do is I try to maintain the continuity uh, on behalf of the story team to make sure everything lines up. A great example of this is when we were doing Tropical Hideaway at Disneyland. It was the same time that our Tokyo team was working on Soaring, where they introduced uh, Camellia Falco. Or, yeah. um, and so Joe Lemoyne, one of our writers, was working on the project 
and he came to me and I, he's like, Hey, you know, this is our backstory. Uh, would it be, would it be all right if we had her on an adventure to this region on this date? Does that, that, does that check out? Does that conflict with anything? And I looked at it and went through my little, my little notebook. I'm like, Nope, checks out. Cool. I'll, I'll add it to the list. And then I said, Oh, by the way, I have all these paddles I'm working on over tropical hideaway. How about we give one of those to your character? And so we were able to coordinate on that effort. And so it, it's the same thing I do with, I, I represent our story team on that front uh, in regards to like Haunted Mansion, uh, the make sure nobody's shooting laser beams out of Mount Leota's eyes, uh, a tiki room, just like if, if you're going to work with our stories, come with come to me first. The internet's is not the most reliable source of information. You don't just look uh, at Wikipedia to get all of your... <laughs> you know what? One of the things I miss most about going into the office, I was the only writer who, like I <laughs> fighting tooth and nail, I really hope they're still there, but we had a whole closet. It used to be a filing cabinet. It got moved to boxes and into a closet at the end of our hallway, but filled like each box was a different park and it was all the documentation from every single park, like dating back to like the fifties, there were notes like with Marty's handwritten red marker on stuff. There's haunted mansion documents with like handwritten notes from John Hench on the back. And like, I'm like the keeper of the like golem, like trying to protect these boxes. <laughs> and like, I miss that the most, like just being able to protect all that stuff. Um, but yeah, just trying to keep everything aligned uh, with all our stories. I'm not there to police it. We have amazing storytellers. Uh, working on stuff all around the world. I, I'm just kind of the coordinator on, on that front. Um, but yeah, go on. I'm sorry. No, listen, I, you know, as a, as a fan of the SEA, and I think I do not speak for my, just for myself in terms of the clamoring for merchandise that has SEA on it. Look, I had to go to Tokyo Disney Sea yeah. and go to Magellan's just so I could get a glass that had the SEA logo on it. But I get we're it. starting to see it, you know, in places like Disney Cruise Line and and Typhoon Lagoon and some of these mm-hmm. other locations. I, I have to imagine that there is not just such interest, but huge opportunity for that continuing storyline to continue to be flushed out in the parks and resorts worldwide. Yeah, like as I, as I just mentioned before, it's it's one of our most asked about properties. Like everybody wants to do something with the SEA. So right now we're we're figuring out the the best path moving forward on how we can best uh, represent this property, this the story to to a bigger audience. So hopefully we'll have more stuff to talk about in the future. I dig the tease. Um, Hang in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of tease, again, just sort of going back to the Jungle Cruise, because I know a lot of us are excited for what is to come. And there have been some details that have been mm-hmm. released in terms of, you know, the fact that and, and I couldn't believe this, that, that, you know, like the chimpanzees, we didn't realize there weren't chimpanzees on the attraction until until it was brought up for the first time. A skipper is going to be incorporated into the attraction as well. <laughs> What yeah. else could we expect to see when the attraction debuts and when? Uh, like I said, we have a I have a bunch of really cool geeky Easter eggs that we're we're slowly pacing them out uh, as, as we push through. Uh, but the latest being our big finale scene. Uh, it's it's a a new take on the, the Trader Sam angle and keeping the spirit of Trader Sam alive. Um, but we have our finale. Where Sam used to be is now a, a shack, and it was the Jungle Navigation Company's Lost and Found. 
You ever wonder where your pith helmet went, Lou, when you left it on that last cruise? <laughs> this is it. It's at the lost and found. This is where everything goes. This is the catch-all. Um, Alberta, however, has asked uh, Trader Sam to run the lost and found. And when you put Trader Sam in charge, uh, he's going to find a way to, to make some money, right? So Trader Sam has now turned it into the lost and found slash gift shop. So everything that, that these explorers have left behind over the years, we're talking gramophones, pith helmets, rope, trunks, everything. It's, you know, remember the old I Spy books where you just open mm -hmm. it up and there's a million things? It's going to be like that. So there's going to be a bunch of cool stuff for the skippers to talk about at this new Lost and Found gift shop. Um, unfortunately, Trader Sam has stepped away. Uh, he, he went to the bank. It's on the other side of the river. Um, and while Trader Sam's away, a bunch of monkeys have come in and they're now going through uh, through all the different supplies. Uh, and it's, well, it's monkey business. They've gone bananas. It's, it's insane. Uh, but it, it goes to that, the, the spirit of, you know, every great ride ends with a gift shop. So we figured this would be the best way to uh, to wrap up the Jungle Cruise. And this this actually goes back uh, to when I was a skipper. I had the idea uh, Tarzan's treehouse was part of our rotation. We'd have to check it just to make sure everything, you know, nothing's missing or anything like that. And when I was writing, when I was walking it, I was in my head, I was writing all these little like short stories about like, oh, what what could we have inside a treehouse? And I wrote all these different ones. And one of the short stories I wrote and I found it a couple months ago and I was going through my documents. Um, was about Jungle Cruise skippers taking all the lost and found on one side of it. When you go around the other side, their storeroom is actually, or it's the gift shop. So it's like, you know, you know, a good idea never dies. It actually goes back to when I was walking the treehouse as a skipper. And now, now I'm again, how is this happening, Lou? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Like I, I come up with a crazy idea. The next thing I know it's somebody's drawing it. And then before I know that I'm looking at pictures of it being built. I, I don't understand it. Um, but yeah, so super fun. We have uh, crazy monkeys uh, getting into everything. Um, and hopefully it, it pays tribute to the spirit of Trader Sam. I love that because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, when you tell Disney enthusiasts that you're going to change an attraction, there's sort of that little bit of excited nervousness that comes in. Mr. Toad Maelstrom, I'm looking yeah, at you, yeah, yeah. you know, but, but again, I, I love the way that you are still able to incorporate Trader Sam and the story that goes with it. And now in terms of rewritability factor, we're going to have to go ride over and over again just to try and pick out all the little items and Easter eggs that are going to be in the, uh, in the gift shop, in the attraction. What, what's been the, the reaction so far from skippers, um, you know, cause those are the ones who are seeing it first and are obviously the most, the closest to the attraction too. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the, the skippers of Disneyland, they haven't been out in the jungle because the park's been closed. Um, uh, all the ones I know personally, they, they seem happy. Uh, I, I, I think you're going to get, yeah, people are very passionate about the jungle cruise. And so I, I think it really runs the runs the gambit, but overall it's been pretty positive, which is, which is as as good as we can expect. You know, touching touching a walled attraction is always tricky. Um, you know, the Florida skippers. You know, I my hats off to them uh, as as they work through. Uh, you know, they're having scenes go down and they're they're going through it and being awesome and 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 continuing the cruise as as we update their attraction. Uh, so hopefully, we're able to deliver to them a fantastic show they can have fun with for years to come. Yeah, so this is sort of an update on uh, here in, in World. This is sort of an update that's kind of happening on the fly, right? There's not yeah. sort of a 
shut the attraction down, reopen it again. Set of, of bookend dates, correct? Uh, yeah. So what we're doing is we're trying to push. Yeah. So everything's happening in real time. Uh, we're trying to keep the crew updated as possible. So they're getting little previews and stuff as we're going forward. Um you know, we gave them a first look at like before the public got stuff. We we did a uh, a session. I woke up like at three a.m. for the Florida session, or because only seven a.m. for you guys. Uh, but we did like a, a skipper town hall where we said, "Hey guys, here's the updates. This is this is how it's going to impact you guys. You're still going to be able to have all this fun. Here's our new scenes. We're trying to keep them into the loop as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it's it's happening in real time for them, and it's. We haven't really done anything like this before, so it's it's new water for for everybody. Uh, which which I am incredibly excited to see, especially with the the new finale. And will it be pretty much identical on both coasts for world and land? Uh, it's pretty pretty dang close. Uh, the the coolest little nerdy detail that we we have is our crashed boats with the chimpanzees on it over in, in Florida. Uh, we took, well, both coasts have retired boats. So uh, over in Florida, we took your Kawango Kate, which has been out of operation for like 20 years or so. Uh, same with the Mekong Maiden at Disneyland. So those are the boats that we have there. But like we're matching the the uh, the metal work and the canopies and everything. So it's actually going to look cool. like, yeah, that we're, I, I was pushing hard on those. I'm like, I'm like, people will notice. I will notice. <laughs> um, so we're so pretty. I mean, overall, there's gonna be a lot of similarities uh florida because you guys have more to play with we're actually we're able to have a little bit more fun in some of those details that we're going to uh unveil uh later on and this is all happening uh, coincidentally i assume especially with you know the the changes in time because of covid um mm-hmm. the jungle cruise movie comes out in yeah. july of this year are there any direct or indirect or subtle nods you know going both ways between the movie and the attraction uh, we're going to have some Easter eggs in there. Uh, we're not adding an audio animatronic Dwayne. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there will be subtle nods to the film and everything. Uh, but, you know, we really wanted to make sure that as we update the attraction, that we uh, we kept to the spirit of the attraction. We didn't want to go in there and make it seem like it was forced by the film or anything. It absolutely wasn't. The, the film team was amazing in working with us uh, hand in hand. Um yeah, we're going to have more stuff on Easter eggs and details as, as we flush them out. And you'll probably see them start going up. As I said, in Florida, it's all real time. So you'll see things popping up. Um, we've I've actually had uh, an Easter egg for the film at Tropical Hideaway for years that nobody's picked up mm. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, hunt, the hunt begins. And, yeah. And, so it begins. Um, and I know, look, as 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 an enthusiast, I am looking forward to and I th- and I really do think that fans are going to embrace these changes uh, for a variety of reasons, not just for updating the attraction in terms of, of, you know, making changes that, that are necessary, but when we love an attraction and there's something new and fresh to see and things like the Easter eggs to look forward to, it does make it exciting all over again. That's the hope. Yeah. I mean, jungle cruise. I mean, let's, let's get, let's get going for another 65 years as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Kevin, listen, I, I, like I said, I could, um, I could really talk to you for hours and, and hopefully one day if we get to get together at Skipper Canteen and a ride on the jungle cruise, uh, we can talk more about the SEA and some of the other amazing things that you have worked on. Uh, I will say that, um, 
I, I am very grateful for you and your time, not just um, what you have been doing in the parks and the preserving the legacy and keeping things so fun and fresh and exciting. Um, and I love being able to be connected with, with you on social. You do great stuff there and you also do some amazing charity work um, there as well. Uh, if people want to find you, dare I say, stalk you on the internets, where can they find you? Oh, I'm uh, a lively land. That's, that's where you can find me. Uh, I don't, I don't do much on the Instagrams. Uh, gardening photos it's about it um yeah i'm pretty easy to find all right and last question of all the the time and all the years and all of the jokes and puns that you gave on the jungle cruise do you have one that's just a personal favorite uh it's so hard doing it out of the context of the jungle um i mean i, I always say that if you didn't do the backside of water people will tell you you did not do the backside of water. <laughs> so I, I think by default, you, you have to, that has to be like one of the top jokes that we ever did. And that's, that's, that's one thing I feel, I told the film team, I'm like, listen, if you guys don't have the backside of water, you're, you're not making a jungle cruise movie. <laughs> people would revolt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, I had people come up like, you forgot the backside of water. I'm like I did a different version. I'm sorry. I'll go back. <laughs> Well, it's a testament to how passionate people are, uh, not just about Jungle Cruise, but Disney as a whole. And you and the team, again, the, the legacy that you're, that you're helping to build uh, really is a testament. I think one that would uh, that Walt would be proud of. So uh, but now this is probably the most dangerous part of our journey. You're supposed to finish that. Oh, the most dangerous. Driver, uh, that's the, the return to Adventureland. And those California Laughed, freeways. He cried. We almost died. Is this where you're going to tell me to get out? Get <laughs> That's rude. Please get out. Please get out. That's right. Cool. Yeah, man. I had a blast talking. This Justin, a Jungle Cruise skipper, reports spotting the lost safari near the African veldt. As you may recall, this safari has remained missing longer, yet had more sightings than any other in history. All skippers are advised to proceed with caution. And now, a musical interlude. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, hear, remember, maybe even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is brought to you by Sideshow Collectibles, where you can let your Disney Sideshow with limited edition figures, statues, art, jewelry, clothes, and lots more. Everything from the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars universe. They have an incredible selection, great customer service, and you can save $15, not percent, $15 off your first order when you sign up for their newsletter by going to www.radio.com sideshow. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to identify a simple where in the world have you heard this phrase, which was, think of all the tiny lawsuits. That's a horrible impression. No way you would get it from that. What it really sounds like is this. He's fixed it. See? I told you everything would be fine. <laughs> Selinsky, this had better work. Otherwise, the Institute will be ruined. Think of all those tiny lawsuits. 
That is, of course, the incomparable Eric Idle as Dr. Nigel Channing talking to Wayne Zielinski in Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Thank you for entering and playing. I hope you got that one correct. And if you did, I entered your name into our random drawing for this week's Disney Prize package, which includes a brand new WDW Radio acrylic pin and keychain. If you check the WDW Radio blog or clubhouse, you can see photos. And I may also throw in a little bonus surprise too. And last week's winner, randomly selected is... Madison Willett from Townsend, Tennessee. So Madison, congratulations. You use the online form. I have your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So I'm also going to keep this week's simple as well and head on over to Disney's Hollywood Studios and ask you to tell me what's the name of the little bird in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that sings and dances throughout the attraction. And I'll give you a hint. It's not the little orange bird from Adventureland, although it is a little orange bird. Anyway, you have until Sunday, May 2nd at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast. There you'll find the entry form. And again, you're going to play for the pin, the keychain, and maybe a mystery prize as well. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I invite you to please come be part of the community and conversation by joining the WW Radio Clubhouse over on Facebook. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Jungle Cruise changes as well as my conversation with Skipper Imagineer Kevin. You can also talk about anything you want from the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars universe there. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. You can call the voicemail. Let me hear your thoughts on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks. You can also email me at lou at wwradio.com if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air. Also, please don't forget to join me this and every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live. It's our weekly live video broadcast and chat. This week, I'm going to be live on location from a new experience coming to the Orlando area that I am personally very, very excited about. If you go to the clubhouse, I'll reveal exactly where I'm going to be. But this Wednesday, I'm actually going to be live starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Facebook only, not on YouTube this week, only on Facebook Live. So please make sure you like the WW Radio page on Facebook and turn on notifications by going to facebook.com slash WW Radio. Speaking of our community, more like our family, I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation. I appreciate your support, your love, your friendship, and help, and I love giving able to, being able to give back to you each and every week. I want to thank some new and longtime members like Matt Mills, Chris Alger, just David, James Desern, long, long-time friend, Holly Robinson, and Millie Mindy Grawlick. If you want to find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar a month, and get exclusive rewards, including monthly scavenger hunts and trivia quests, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, live video group calls, and lots more. You can visit www.radionation.com. And don't forget that while this is completely optional, it's very much appreciated. And a portion of your contribution does go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And because of you and your love and support, we have collectively raised more than $450,000. 
that is amazing and meaningful and a testament to you. Again, go to www.radio.com slash support. Speaking of support, if there's some way that I can support you and help you, whether it is with one-on-one mentoring, small group coaching, or speaking to your school, your event, or to your business, you can visit lumangelo.com. And thanks as always to my exclusive, recommended, and amazing travel partner at mousefantravel.com. Whether you're looking to travel to World Land Cruise Line is coming back soon. We'll get to that in a second. Or anywhere on the planet, you can visit Becky Mankin and the entire team over at mousefantravel.com for a free, no-obligation quote. And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. This is super important, very, very helpful. How can you do that? You can make sure you subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. You can tweet out or share on Facebook. Even more helpful, a link to this or one of your other favorite episodes from the past. And if you can, just help spread the word by telling a friend. And if you can rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts, it is very, very helpful takes just a couple of seconds. I want to thank a recent reviewer like Dolly Fan Joey who says this is pure Disney magic. The WW Radio Show is a shining light in a world that can be dim, lose energetic, enthusiastic, and exciting. His love for the place so many call home is contagious and can be a perfect thing to tide one over until the next trip to Walt Disney World. I've been a listener for five years. Thank you. And Lou has taught me so much about the parks, resorts, and property. More than just a podcast about Walt Disney World, it's also a place to be reminded to choose the good. And Lou isn't just saying that. He lives it and inspires the listener to choose the good and make a difference. The podcast has meant more to me than Lou will ever ever know. And in times of peril and desperation, his upbeat optimism has reminded me that there's so much more to live for. And that's our purpose. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate you. Dolly Van Joey, man, that that means a lot to me. and, And I appreciate you more than you know. Wow, man. Seriously, thank you for that. You made my day. And hopefully this show is helped to make your day and your week a little bit brighter and better and happier. And maybe it does inspire you or put a smile on your face when you really need it. And that it does hopefully prompt you and inspire you to choose the good, find the good in everything that you do and be the good to other people as well. It's up to you to help sort of spread that positivity around. And if there's any way that I can help you or repay you for your kindness and your friendship, please, please let me know. I hope that you enjoyed this week's show. I hope to see you this Wednesday night on WW Radio Live and this week in the conversations in the clubhouse. I love you. I appreciate you. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Jim Smith calling from Hanover, Mass. I just got home from my first COVID vaccine shot and uh, took the 15 minutes that they, they ask you to stay there after your shot and uh, make sure you're feeling well. Thankfully, I am. I took that 15 minutes to reflect on uh, the last year or so of COVID. And one thing that keeps coming up is the, the, the positivity and, the, uh, and the, the, the good feelings that come out of your show and out of our clubhouse uh, all the wonderful people that have have grown to live here along with me and uh, and and have fun with you every week it's something that uh, that did give me something to look forward to every week and uh, I very much enjoyed that um, appreciate all that you give to us and, and I also appreciate all that everyone in the group gives to each other 
Uh, I'm a part of, of the clubhouse, obviously. I'm a part of the uh, the running team recently. I'm part of the spoiler support group, and, and they're all they're all great fun, and they all have their own unique uh, personalities. And, and I'm happy and proud to be a piece of each one of them. Uh, so keep up the good work, Lou. Thank you for making everyone's day just a little bit better. And uh, God bless. Take care, and hope to see you soon. Bye. Oh, this is Darlene Nagy, formerly of West Seneca, New York, and I am a half marathon runner now. I am so excited to say hello to everyone who's new to the clubhouse and hope you are having a wonderful day. We are at the Davenport Car Show right now and having a blast. A friend of mine is in it. He's got a Chevy Malibu. It's really cool looking. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we're looking forward to that Marvel Cruise cruise next February. And you have a magical day. Love, hugs, stay positive, and wear a mask. Passengers with experience in piloting a riverboat should give their name to the skipper upon boarding, just in case. <laughs>